0: bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchising industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast. Welcome to the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisors, franchisees, and industry leaders who give on the pulse expert advice and insight. I am your co-host, Renna, and... Trisha? Trisha? Oh. I get to be your host today, flying solo, as my co-host Trisha is conducting an interview off-site, and she'll join us next episode. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13. Today, we have Nancy Essen from Right at Home. Right at Home is a home healthcare company with a focus on wellness for seniors and those in need. Right at Home franchisees will benefit from 17 years of international experience because they have over 20 units in Canada, 400 across the U.S., and 40 internationally. Today, Nancy, on the line, discuss topics like why she chose to buy a ride at home franchise, setting and reaching big business goals and big lesson, lessons as a new owner. Enjoy the episode. Say hey, hi, Nancy.
1: Hello, how are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, of course, I'm flying solo today. Atricia uh, couldn't be with us, but uh, how about we jump right in with question number one? Which is, how did you hear about the Right at Home franchise opportunity?
1: Well, I have a friend uh, who's now my business partner, Adrienne Wood, and uh, we worked together previously and she uh, continually called me because she said she had a business idea and I thought it was some multi-level marketing idea, which I didn't want to do. And eventually I did go over and listen to her and she showed me... um, i uh, magazine article about the emerging need for home care for private home care in Canada and I like many other people who we've now met over the past five years of our journey um, have a story like everybody does and I, I always say if I'd known then what I know now I could have improved the quality of my mom's life experience you know end of life experience so Um, You know, home care, private home care is relatively new in Canada. Um, The government sector is having difficulty keeping up and and there's things that people want that the government is just simply not able to provide. So that's kind of the niche that we're in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, we research the industry and our market to determine if there's a need in our region, which definitely there is. And uh, there's there's lots and lots of seniors moving into our area. We're a fast-growing retirement area in the Georgian Triangle and in the Barrie area. So we looked at um, various different brands and different agencies. We looked at possibility of starting on our own, but neither, since neither one of us had a healthcare background, we thought it was best if we found somebody with more expertise than us, which wasn't really that difficult, honestly. Um, and then we we decided that a franchise was the best route to go because we were able to have an existing brand, which we didn't have to develop. Um, there's marketing and policies and procedures in place and marketing material and collateral material. And, and it just allowed us to hit the ground running.
0: Oh, that's extraordinary. So it seems that there's a very personal, I don't have to get into it or you don't have to share any of the details, <laughs> but it sounds like the uh, precipice and the jumping off point was a very personal story to you. Is that what made you invest in this home care franchise?
1: Well, I mean, in terms of why Right at Home, um, for us, we, when we went and visited the other uh, agencies that we, t- we narrowed it down to three, mm-hmm. and when we, when we walked into Right at Home, when we met Mark Gallagher, who was our former Chief Operating Officer, and Danny DiPetrello, who is our current Chief Operating Officer, um, we just thought they were great and all the people in the office were great and it's it's a very much um, right at home is all about people we're really emphasis on we're a team and uh, we're a family we consider people part of, of the right at home family and it really resonated with us and everybody you know has some form of experience with dealing with the seniors whether it's their neighbor or their friend or relative or whatever but you know the The real personal side of it is what makes a difference to, you know, to improve the quality of people's lives, which is what our mission statement is.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk me through the timeline of when you started looking at Right at Home or started doing your franchise research to where you are now? Is that a process? Yeah, it took us about six months. We did
1: because we weren't healthcare professionals, um, and we we believe that our business experience was good enough to be able to start into a. We identified a niche in our community, and that was the home healthcare business. So we didn't know, need to know how to run home healthcare. What we need to know is how to start a business and attract clients and get great staff and run a business that is viable. So. It took us about six months to determine which agency we were going to go with. Um, and as I said, when we met the Right at Home people, it was it was, it was was obvious right away. We didn't even have to say anything to each other. We just knew right away. And mm-hmm. um, we, we're now just coming up to our, we've just passed over our fifth year anniversary with Right at Home. And okay. um, it's been a real learning experience and a growth experience, but we've, we've loved it.
0: Well, congratulations, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. What have been some of the um, highs and lows uh, <laughs> parts of business ownership? And I guess if we, you want to talk about the lows, how do you navigate them? And then how do you ride those highs as well?
1: Well, I mean, in any small business, like I have worked uh, in the financial services business and Adrian was in the um, sales business, in the retail sales business. And so we we were kind of focused in what we had been doing uh, in our former careers. And where we did meet was when we were working for the um, provincial sport organization for alpine skiing. So we had done a couple of different things, but really being in a small business, the most important and most difficult thing is yeah, you have to wear so many hats and you wear them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we're very fortunate that we have different skill sets. And so we were able to balance a little bit off, but it's been a, it's been a very steep learning curve. And You know, we're always working with our staff to align them with our short and long-term goals. Um, We remind them of our mission and vision constantly. And, you know, the other thing is, is that as a partner in a business, we're a 50-50 partnership and we have to work well. We talk a lot about where we are within our goals uh, for our business and our personal goals. We we try to make sure that they're aligned all the time. And I mean, it's a work in progress at all times and it's, being in a small business is really a lot of work. There's no end. There's no, the days don't end. They just keep going. <laughs> um,
0: how did you, can I talk, or can I ask some questions about this partnership? Um, sure. How, how did you come to the conclusion that it should be 50-50? Or was that well, just a- it, it,
1: Um Well, we both invested an equal amount in the business and, and I really felt that it was important that we uh, had the same same interest in the business I mean there's lots of people that will say that you should never be 50-50 you should be 49-51 or some other uh, uneven number so that if things go sideways or backwards you you, one person can step in and kind of take the lead but we really felt that in order to make the business successful if we couldn't work together and work well and be honest with each other then we wouldn't be successful so I I was never worried about the 50-50 part and also because we have very different skill sets, we are able to work well together without much conflict. I mean, when something comes up, we pretty much all the time know who's going to manage it and who's going to sort of take the back seat and provide some information and, you know, maybe some advice, but not really manage that specific uh, situation that that we're working on.
0: Uh, it sounds like there's a real clear—I um, don't want to say division. The two, but it sounds like a really nice partnership where it's almost instinctual. Like, I feel like you would know how your partner is doing and you can progress forward, and you're not really held up by any decisions.
1: Well, you know, if you spend a lot of time with one person, you start finishing each other's sentence. a little frightening sometimes <laughs> that we're thinking the same thing, but uh, in, general, in general, it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> that sounds really good. You can't laugh. You know, if you have- yeah, exactly. Well,
1: exactly. I mean, we, we really focus on making sure that our goals for our business and our personal lives are aligned. And our kids are, they're different, but they're similar in the sense of their uh, academic and athletic careers. And so we, we totally understand each other. And it's we have to do, we just go, gotta go. In fact, today, I, our dog gave birth to puppies and I'm at home right now because we're you know, they're still being born as we speak.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> you have to send me a photo of the puppies. Oh,
1: they're wedding. adorable. I mean, there's only one so far, but a few more coming, we think.
0: Okay. Well, I, I won't keep you too long then. Um, well, you, you <laughs> mentioned about... Don't worry, it's
1: fun. My husband's here. Okay.
0: Um, the other partnership, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so you talked a bit about your goals and ensuring that between you and your partnership, uh, your business partnership, uh, that are aligned both personally and um, business-wise, but how do you set these goals and reach them in terms of business? Well, I think,
1: I mean, I think on top, most important thing is that you can set goals, and you know, of course, when we first started, we we had a five-year business plan, but we could have made up anything we wanted because we weren't in the business, we didn't really know what we what was ahead of us, and so our real our process has really been. Um, a constant assessing and reassessing. And we review our goals under specific headings, so the quality of our service, uh, our client staff and well-being, uh, marketing and business development, um, both our staffing inside and outside the office. You know, we want to make sure that they're happy because there is a labor shortage everywhere, especially Mm -hmm. in our business. Mm -hmm. And then our financial goals and our personal goals. But there's no, like, not one of those things has precedent over the other we look at it as a as a grid and then we we decide how are we doing at this level how are we doing in this level what can we do to improve this we have got to try to get everything up to a ten so if one area is lacking we put a little more attention to it and we but we're always assessing and reassessing and we have checks and balances um, in terms of mostly in terms of financial checks and balances and so those are kind of our backdrop for determining whether we're whether we're on point or not
0: Oh, it seems can I bring it can I bring this conversation over to um, franchisees and i'm I'm looking sure, for advice sure. on why is it important that franchisees build strong relationships with their networks? Well, I mean
1: for us, if once we decided that we were going to join a franchise um, especially in an area where we were not experts, which I think many times when people do join into a franchise network, they may not be experts in the business that they're joining and so what you're doing is you're you're joining an ongoing business that has experience um, and expertise in specific areas so it's advisable to use the resources that are available to you and and in, and in our, i can't speak for other franchise networks but in our case there's tons and tons of resources available to us and partially because right at home is uh, an international company that was founded in the united states 30 years ago and now ha- operates in eight countries including canada and we have a national, international network of people that we can phone and ask them about where we're going. And we really have networked into the franchise network. We, we attend national, international conferences, never missed one. Um, they're great opportunities to meet people who are in the same business so we can learn from them. And we can kind of also take a look into our future and see – where we're going to be in five years because someone is five years ahead of us or 10 or 15 or 20. So it's been like a very, really nice lens into the future for us. Um, And and additionally for us, we're very fortunate because Red at Home has um, performance groups, which are smaller franchise groups, which are really interested in growing and developing their business. And, uh, And historically, they've only been available to offices in the United States because there's 600 of them and 30 of us. And um, we, we've been we lobbied with the uh, with the national international national you know the head office of Red of Red right at, right at Home in, in Omaha and we're the only non-US office that's in the performance group. So we meet uh, quarterly, uh, twice uh, twice in person and twice uh, in conference calls. And we have a set agenda and a facilitator and very robust financial and business quality of business discussions. And so that's really been great and I mean that you can't get that without a franchise network
0: yeah I think you just hit it out of the park with that answer right there <laughs>
1: <Absolutely>. <laughs> well we're lucky and, and you know we we really love the people that we met when we first joined right at home but we had no idea what was behind the curtain it's just but we have just been very very fortunate Um
0: you know, you, what I really enjoyed when you were talking about how you set and reach your business goals is that you talked about client and staff development and well-being. Because in the care, what I know from the caregiving uh, industry and the personal support workers is that there's extreme high level of burnout.
1: Yes.
0: So how, uh, who, or what keeps uh, you and your employees inspired on this franchise journey?
1: Well, I think more than anything else is that you know our we we really live by our mission statement, and that is that we improve the quality of life of those we serve and so I think that that should be inspiring for anybody, especially because, as I mentioned earlier, everybody has a story like everyone has a grandmother or a relative or a friend or a neighbor or somebody that they've seen that's in need of some support when they're seniors or when they're disabled because we do manage we also assist dis- disabled adults. But, you know, we're we're inspired by by the fact that this is a feel-good business. Every day you come home and you've made a positive difference in somebody's life, and it's not that hard to find that to be inspiring. Um, We also, you know, we're we're one of the older uh, offices in our organization, and we've had the luxury of the attention and advice of our franchisor group so we have a little bit of responsibility to help build our brand. We feel that responsibility. They don't put it on us, but we feel it ourselves, and we really enjoy spending time with our franchisor and our franchisees. Like we just have, we, you know, we're, we're a great group of people, and we really enjoy each other's company, and that keeps you inspired as well. And then the other thing is, is that we know that that home care, and you know, based on the demographic and cycle, the business cycle fits into the demographic cycle, so we know that. The future for home care in Canada is extremely bright. And our goal, our, our, you know, we want to be the, the best of the best. And um, so that's, expi- that's inspiring to me as a, you know, I'm, an, I'm a former athlete and I just love to compete. So I'm okay. happy to jump into that cycle and go.
0: Sorry, say that one more time again. The business cycle meets the
1: the, the demographic cycle so that the number of the number of seniors in in canada is is growing you know we've all seen the guy who talks about um about the demographic cycles of uh, in north america where the the number of seniors is growing faster than any other sector so as a result of that there's there's going to be more people that are going to require help and service and so our business will grow along with that demographic cycle so the way i see it is it's like a logarithmic curve and we're part way up the early leg. And we haven't even gotten to the we're way far from the top where it's well be saturated.
0: No, that makes sense. To digress slightly, I sat in with a conference with T Snow. Are you familiar with that name? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. specifically with dementia caregivers and workers yeah. yeah. last yeah. year uh, with her. And she was just the way she described it was quite alarming where she called it a tsunami. Well,
1: actually, honestly, I actually, I disagree with that terminology, and I'll tell you why. It's it's because a tsunami is an unexpected event, and the growth of numbers of seniors and people that are going to require dementia care and physical care and other types of of care to help them, you know, grow old in a dignified and healthy way or as healthy as they can be is, is not a surprise. We're not surprised by this. We know it's coming. We've got to prepare ourselves for it. So... Funny, I, I heard that recently on another podcast, that it's not really a tsunami. It's more like a, a storm that's been predicted for, you know, for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah.
0: Okay. Then maybe perhaps it was a tsunami in terms of the quantity. Oh, in terms,
1: absolutely. It is in terms of the quantity, but it's not an unexpected event. We know it's coming. So we just got to prepare and make sure that we have the, the policies and procedures and and everything in place so that we can surf people and, and help people as they age.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, going back to now being a business owner, what are some of the biggest lesson, lessons that you've learned?
1: <laughs> well, you know,
0: I I'm a, I'm a, I
1: listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of books and I've read tons of business theory. And I know that the number one reason for failure among small businesses, and the numbers are alarming, it's about 80% in year one, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's cash flow. So your very first thing you need to do is make sure that you manage your cash flow and uh, and and make sure that you're reasonably well-financed. And if you're not, you've got a fallback boy because if you run out of money, you can't be a business. And unfortunately lots of great businesses go out of business because they run out of money. So that's the number one thing. And then the other thing is you want to have a niche, and You want to decide where you want to be in the marketplace. So for us, We knew that we wanted to be the high-quality producer, so we're going to be a little bit more expensive. We have to be willing to take that part. So we, you have to develop a niche within the within the business that you're in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Figure out who your ideal client is and think of ways to reach them, and that's really what we've done.
0: Extraordinary. Yeah, someone else had mentioned cash flow. Uh, It's a killer. And they gave a timeline too, because most new franchisees anticipate that they'll be rolling in that cash flow by the end of year one, which is statistically not the case. No, I mean, it'd be great if that were the case. I I think you need to have a fallback if you. It's tough. I
1: mean, the other thing is, is that it's you're in this business. It's a small business when it starts generally, Mm -hmm. you got to build it up. And so it's all hands on deck. There's get in there and, Do things that you may never have done before, but if you want the business to be successful, then you've got to be prepared to do whatever needs to be done at any point in time.
0: And then as a franchisee uh, so far in in your career with Right at Home, what are you most proud of?
1: Well, you know, as I said, it's a feel-good business. So I'm really proud of the positive difference we've made within our community and we've helped out you know, have three, four hundred families to manage and, and take care of their of their people who are in need, and I'm really also proud of the fact that we've been able to um, provide so many people in our commu- in the communities that we serve, with meaningful employment and and where they are treated with the same respect that we treat our like we treat our clients and our caregivers and our staff, our inside staffs our office staff, we treat them all the same way. Everybody's equal and everybody, is, you know, needs to be treated with respect and being listened to. And so we're really proud of that.
0: Yeah, that is something to be proud of. I think when you um, keep it in-house, well, it sets a really great model example to how you want your employees, your caregivers, your staff to treat the clients as well when you lead by example. Yeah. hmm uh, Kudos to you there. Um, well, if you had one piece of advice for anyone looking to become a franchisee, what what would it be? I know we touched on cash flow. Um, yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I, I would go back to my athletic life and, and say that the best thing that I ever heard from a recruiter for a college athlete would be to say that if you went to that college and they took your sport away, would you still want to stay in that college? And so. I think about that in terms of life all the time. And, and in in the case of a franchise, I would say make sure that you like and trust the franchise or emphasis on the like and trust. And you develop a good rapport with them right off the start. You're honest with them. They're, you feel that they're being honest with you. And then keep in touch with them and ask questions. But it's really important to find if, you, if you've got to be a good fit with the rest of the people that are in the business. And if you're not, then it's not the right business for you. Mm-hmm.
0: That's clear. I always get the, um, uh, my role here at the Canadian Franchise Associations so includes the podcast, but I'm also the logistical coordinator for the trade shows. And a lot of the time I get members of the public coming in and their first question after uh, entering their doors is, uh, which franchise will make me the most money? And <laughs> my response back is, anyone, any one of them will, as long as you have the passion for it.
1: You've got to believe in it for sure. But if you don't, if you don't trust and like your franchisor, like if there's something about them that you feel like there's an elephant in the room, mm-hmm. I wouldn't walk. I would run.
0: <laughs> that's great. that's great sound advice. There, there is that gut instinct uh, component that not a lot of people um, can tangibly talk about, considering that it is a gut instinct. Do you do you want to do you have a gut instinct?
1: When you're in the markets, like working in the markets, I was was an investment advisor and oftentimes people will pitch you on investment ideas. I mean, that's what analysts do every day. They have lots of meetings and people are always trying to get you to buy whatever it is they're trying to sell to you to sell to the clients. And again, it's the same kind of thing as joining a franchise. You've got to like and trust whoever that person is. And I mean, they have to have a good product. I think that's a that's a fundamental. Like when you're looking at a franchise, you've got to think that whatever the business is, is is, is a solid business model. And if, and it, generally speaking, by the time they get to the point where they're able to franchise, it probably isn't a bad business. And then you get down to the like and trust. And that's where its first impressions, I believe they're very important. And, um, you know, it's, that's we believe that in the way that we present ourselves to our potential clients and to our caregivers and everybody else who we are associated with, to our referral sources like you, you present yourself in the way that you want them to remember you and view you in the future.
0: Very clear there. Um, do you What's what's next then? You know, we had the five-year business plan. What are we looking at for the 10-year? What are we looking at the 15-year? I, th- I would say more than anything else that um, there's, a,
1: there's a very um, big initiative in the province of Ontario right now with the formation of the Ontario health teams, and home care is a very big part of it. Mm-hmm. It's the largest and most collaborative initi- initiative that's ever been um, taken on by the Ministry of Health in Ontario. So we, we really want to be a part of that, want to be a leader in that. And it's been very interesting because we've had a lot of exposure to the Minister of Health and to the deputies. And um, it's it's, a, it's an interesting process. And so we really want to be part of that because that's the future of healthcare in Ontario. And home care is a big part of it because they're trying to get rid of... Um, hallway medicine and trying to reduce the cost of the delivery of healthcare in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we also have a large geography here, both in Barrie and in the Georgian Triangle, so there's lots of parts of our geography that we'd like to have some more market penetration in. But, you know, we're always interested in innovation, collaboration, and better ways to deliver home care and and to, you know, really live by our mission to improve the quality of life of those we serve, because that's what we're here to do.
0: That's really great to hear, Nancy. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss
1: or say about Right at Home? No, it's, it's, uh, we, we've, we've, it's been a, a good experience for us, and I would go right back to that. Make sure you like and trust your franchisor and that you enjoy the company of the other franchisees because especially in the first five years, it's your life. You don't have a lot of life outside of it. And uh, we, we attended conferences. We t- know tons of people at right at home. There's, you know, over a thousand of us worldwide. And w- we're friends with, we'd like to say, way more than 500 of them.
0: <laughs> you can't ask for anything better than that. No, it's great. Um, all right, now we're going to move on to the lightning round, if you're still game to play. Sure, absolutely. So the first question is, using three adjectives, how would you describe yourself?
1: resourceful competitive friendly
0: in your own words uh, and in or two sentences can you describe the franchise concept it's
1: it's just a team it's a family and we you, you join it join a team that you want to be a part of
0: and then can you please complete the following statements in either a word or one to two sentences you have a bit of carte blanche there um, the, the most interesting thing I've done is,
1: with Right at Home, we've uh, done pretty much everything. We've become a dog walker, a bottle washer, a driver, a shoulder to cry on, and most importantly, uh, an organization that's been able to make people smile.
0: Um, a good franchisee is? One that fits into the team. You've got to be a team player. A good franchisor is? Someone that you like and trust. You elaborated on this earlier, uh, but my top advice for a prospective franchisee is
1: well, I would go back to that, you know, that that situation where you're looking at joining a team. I mean, you wouldn't join a sports team or a symphony orchestra or a troupe of people in a play unless you like them and you wanted to be part of the team. And this is a team. Being part of a franchise organization, if it's successful, is you are a team, and that teamwork, you know, the the sum of the parts is is what makes it move forward. So I I think you just got to think about it in terms of being part of a team and you want to make sure that you're joining a team that you think is going to be successful and one that you want to be a part of.
0: And the most important, this is a personal question, the most important thing in life is? My family. One of the most enjoyable things I do is?
1: Just watching the way people react when we lift them up off the floor or help them right at home has a charity that's called the free wheelchair mission where we support an organization that um, goes to third world countries and assembles and delivers wheelchairs to people who've never walked or even gotten off the floor before and uh, I'm about to go on a free wheelchair mission trip with about 10 other people from right at home to uh, Ecuador and I think that's that, in a thousand words, is just a smile you see. I've seen the videos of people doing it. You brew wheel, come up with a wheelchair, pick them up off the floor, and put them in it and let them smile. And You know, a lot of people that are seniors are written off mm-hmm. and by their families and by their friends, and nobody wants to listen to them. And we we just love being able to make them smile and have a, a bright spot in their day.
0: Well, <laughs> one of the hard things for you to do as a business owner is Uh, Tell somebody that works
1: for us that that they unfortunately can't continue to be a part of our team because they just are not a good
0: fit. And if you could change one thing, it would be? There's not a lot I would
1: change. I think that I, I would, I think that I, maybe we should have focused a little bit harder on the um, financial side of the business right from the start because we, took on things that were unprofitable because we, we really wanted to do a good job. And that, and that's fine. And I think that's part of what we stand for. But you have to make good business decisions all the way along or else you won't be there to tell the story. And, you know, we, we obviously have made enough good business decisions, but there's a few I wouldn't mind taking back.
0: What are you binging on Netflix right now?
1: <laughs> the Queen of the South. I'm getting okay. a little freaked out because it's about the cartels and uh, mostly in Mexico and in the United States. And I, I'm going to Ecuador, and I'm a little freaked because now I know what cartels look like, and I'll know if I see them on the street, I'll know who it is.
0: You You've mentioned podcasts. You listen to a lot of them. What are what are you listening to? Well, there's one
1: that's called Disrupt, which is uh, about the home care industry. It's it's mostly uh, focused in the United States, but I can always pick and pull things out of any podcast it's like going to a motivational speaker there's always something in there there's always a little nugget and you know i was looking for the golden nugget um i was listening to that i listened a lot about uh how i built this because that's what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. and um you know i listen to guy raz sometimes but it sort of gets on my nerves occasionally
0: uh you also mentioned that you're reading or you read a lot what are you reading recently is it fiction is it non-fiction
1: Uh, I'm reading fiction. I'm reading The Life of Ovi, and it's great. It's hilarious. It's
0: summer, so I'm reading a little bit more light reading, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. It could be the person or uh, business persons who've had the most positive influence on you as a business person.
1: I would say my stepfather, Bruce Briggs. He was just a really good entrepreneur, and he really was great at dealing with people. So I learned a lot about dealing with people and never... And never just dis- being disrespectful to anyone and never considering anyone to be above or below you
0: I have two more questions for you the the key to success is focus, focus. Mm. and then uh, here at the Canadian franchise Association we're asking people to redefine the word failure. Can you redefine failure for me?
1: not meeting your goals I mean maybe it's maybe it's not setting your goals properly. I think that's probably more accurate so yeah you, you if you if you are a failure, it means that you are not realistic about what you're capable of, what the time frame you set for, and how you're going to get where you got to go. So I think it's the, a failure is when you, when you don't understand yourself well enough to set a goal that you know is reachable. You got, it's got to be tough. I like, I like to make things tough, so you have to work to get there. But you also have to be able to get to each, each milestone, build on that, and then reach for the stars even higher next time.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. That was the end of our lightning round. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Made it. Is
0: there anything else you'd like to share with me? No,
1: I think we're we're good. We so I- far still only have one puppy. <laughs> so it's probably the only time in the history of Labradors that uh, there was one single puppy. But you know, take what you uh, get. And she's a beautiful little brown lab. We have two black labs, and we have the little brown one now.
0: I wish you. I wish you the most success with today with uh, right at home. And uh, I'm uh, thank you again for your time today. And we'll, we'll to- Great.
1: Well, thanks for talking to me.
0: Anytime. Take care, Nancy. Great. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. You as well. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, visit FranchiseCanada.online. And if you're interested in the franchise opportunity, go to bookforfranchise.ca.